Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Well, we're back with another episode. What has uh what has transpired in your week, my good man? Oh man. I don't know, you're talking about personal stuff? Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> personal, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. spiritual. <laughs> yeah, spiritual's been kind of uh, out on the jury. I don't know if it kind of follows the weather. I mean, we just had one week of, like, amazing weather. And my dog's been amazingly healthy, as you can hear in the background. Yeah, right, the clicking on clop, the, clop, the, clop, clicking clop, on the clop. wood floor. She loves it. And, uh, yeah, so it's it just seemed to go with the weather, but. You know, I'm still, it's kind of like working out, right? You, some days you don't feel like it, but you still do it. So I'll go through my spiritual practices every day and, you know, just been a sluggish week. Yeah. And I think it's probably harder because we got that one tease of like summer. We got that oh, tease. Yeah, of, that 80 degree day. Everybody's running around in their shorts. 80, 85, sunny. So Windows the funny thing down. is from, uh, from work, work, I was supposed to have the next week off. This, this last week off. 
Yeah. And because of the 80, 85 degree week, I, I didn't take it off. I, I was, I text my boss. I'm like, I'm not going to take this week off. I'll take the, I'll take one in May. Cause I was pissed. I was like, I took, I was like, I had to work the whole fucking week. It was 85 degrees. And now I'm going to take the, the snow week off. Oh, no, yeah. not happening. Um, Oh, funny. Anheuser-Busch announces staffing shakeup after Dylan Mulvaney controversy. Oh, yeah. The, uh, what's her phrase? That VP of marketing. Uh, taking, taking a, a leave, leave of, of absence. absence. Yeah. <laughs> a prescribed That's leave of absence. Awesome. What about you, man? What's your spiritual? Uh... Oh, um, not much updated on the spiritual. Physical, I feel like, I, feel, I think I feel similar to you. It's like, I'm there. I'm putting in the work. Um, and, and with everything, even the mental, I'm putting in the work, I'm doing the, you know, I'm doing the research, I'm, I'm reading, I'm doing the podcast stuff, but it's just like, nothing is, everything is kind of muddy this week. And I don't know if it's, you know, fighting off something or just, it was, it was both my kids we had a birthday party for both my kids yesterday and, uh, just building up for that or, or what it, what it all is, but it just, it almost seems right. Like you know what a hive mindset is in bees, right? Like yeah. one, one bee will do something and all the other bees just follow. They don't, they don't consciously think about following. It's just the hive mind. It's, it's almost like how, how a, a, a bacteria, you know, a, a bacteria colony in, in your digestive system all kind of works together, even though you, they don't think about it. It just, they work together. And I feel like there's something like that with, with human beings. There's a, there's a bit of a hive mind. And when we're all kind of, we all kind of get in that same kind of muddy, like, uh, but it would make sense, right? Like between the vitamins and the, and the, the circadian rhythm and, and everything. Um, I did have one, uh, a few highlights to my week. I know I text you, we had the biggest podcast download day ever last Tuesday. That was pretty exciting. Cause it's kind of been real steady, but not any huge growth. And then last Tuesday and the Tuesday before were both huge days and we were talking about it. It wasn't any specific episode. It was just, um, big download days across the board. So it probably has a little bit to do with um, our guests that we've had on the last two weeks. And then they're putting out the podcast to all of their followers and, you know, between their followers they're Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, one person subscribes and downloads 10 episodes. You know, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and then I had one of our followers, um, one of our listeners reach out and, and just kind of, just kind of say, Hey, I, I see what you guys are doing with fatherhood and, and parenting and stuff like that. And just, and keep, keep up with it. And, he had just won custody of his son and um, he sent me some pictures from his son. I think it was a, it was a jujitsu tournament and he took gold in a jujitsu tournament. And he was like, it was a proud dad, right? And it was a proud dad moment, but it, but it hit me because it was a proud dad moment. He wanted to share that with us, you know, and that was, that was pretty cool. Like we do what we do. We're going to do what we do no matter what. I mean, the, the, the thing with this podcast is, is what this podcast does is it's a catalyst for me to keep learning more and more and more and reaching out to people and talking to people. Um, it would be awesome if it became a, you know, a full-time thing someday, but it doesn't have to be because that's not exactly what it's here for. Um, a lot of this stuff, I would never go this deep into the research just on my own. So it gives a reason. But when you, when you hear stuff like that, it's like, oh, like we're doing something. We're doing something good here. So I would say that, that was some highlights for my week. Oh, that's good. So for our listeners, I mean, it's sometimes you're just going to have those muddy weeks where you just push through, you know, just uh, don't get discouraged. And then you push through and then the next week uh, things get better. Our hometown made it on the new- national news yesterday. 
the high so school thing. In, oh, that incident thing we were yeah, talking about? Yeah. I didn't know it made the national news. National news, yep. I wow. got I got some texts made national news. Sun Prairie High School, 18-year-old tries, 18-year-old, I guess, uh, that identifies as a female, tries to shower with 14-year-old females. Oh, so the, the media did say identifies as a female. I, I think so. I, don't, I, di- I didn't actually look up the news story, but um, that seemed to be how they were wording it. Well, I mean... Like we're talking about, I mean, if they're pushing that kind of equity policy or what diversity policy, it's uh, you're opening the door for a lot of this shit to happen. And it's and and you're right. And it's not even it's not even just it's not even just that policy specifically when it comes to that topic. It is overall we are pushing in our entire in our entire population in our entire country. We're pushing a more laxed, um a more relaxed idea for just everything. I want, I'm going to say criminal, but I don't even necessarily mean criminal. It's just the first word that comes to my mind, but everything criminal in agenda, right? Like we've got DAs that refuse to prosecute. And yeah. then because of that, we end up with just these, you know, I saw a video yesterday of, of two um, gray Dodge challengers just doing donuts with two gangsters hanging out each window, you know, one guy out each window with AKs and they were in the middle of, I think it was Memphis and they were just doing donuts in the middle of the street. And it was like, the first comment was like, I live here. This is 100% a product of our DA who refuses to prosecute. Right. And it's like, yes, that's a simple comment on a video, but we see it across the board. These really lax DAs that are just letting stuff go and letting stuff go and letting stuff go. And, And I don't, I'm not saying that our current prison system was the answer, but I'm saying that just letting letting acts pass and just letting people back out in the street is also not the way to go. We saw it. Right. We saw it last. Was that last winter or the winter before with the uh, with with the, the guy that got let out and then ran his SUV through the Christmas parade? Oh, yeah. That was two years ago, right? Two years ago. Yeah. Waukesha. In Waukesha. And we're seeing that kind of stuff just over and over. And it's like, there has to be a better answer because just letting them back on the street is not, is not the right answer. Yeah. You know, yes, we've created a fucked up situation because of the family structure in the country. And we have a bunch of people who had a bunch of kids that they don't, that they didn't take care of. And now those kids are getting to the age where they're going to start causing trouble. You're a hundred percent right. That's fucked up. We should work on fixing that, but it also doesn't mean that we shouldn't work on how to deal with, with those non-functioning members of society yeah. that are causing the problems. Well, it's like uh, raising kids. I mean, if there's no consequences, the kids go out of control. And right now there's um, a push for lack and lack of consequences to crime. I mean, look at what happened in the West Coast and in New York City. It's happening here, too. Um, just talking to somebody today, they were talking about how if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods over uh, on the east side by where we are, uh, they, there used to be two entrances. You know, these are typical malls. You know, you always got a couple entrances to the store. Well, they've shut everything down to funnel everybody to come in and out of one entrance, the front. They close the side one because of theft. The level of theft, you know, has increased. And you're watching what's happening in the West Coast where people are walking into department stores and literally they have. I saw this video uh, two days ago where there's a line of people that have just a pile of clothes. They just took them all off the racks and literally are just walking out the door with them. And uh, even some lady in uh, 
walk into Home Depot. That was a great video. I think grabbed I, a tool I probably and sent then, that to you. She had like three. She oh, had she had three, three Milwaukee oh. tools with like handled boxes yeah. in her hand, and she was trying to get out. And there was a contractor that had two two by sixes in his hand, and he just wouldn't get out of the way. Wouldn't get out of the way, and he kept and he kept putting the boards on the tools so she couldn't get them through. And finally, she just let him go and flicked him off and walked away. But it's like the Home Depot employees can't do anything. They're they're coached to just let it go. Yeah. And so he's like, fuck this. No, like I got to pay for this shit. This shit's going to get more expensive. That's what the, that. And that's the bullshit too. Right. It's like my dad told me yesterday about, about a credit plan that they're starting to do where they're almost they're They're basically supplementing the poor credit in the country. So if you, the, the worse your credit is, the more benefits you're getting towards getting loans. And, and I don't necessarily, right. And so I'm, I'm work, speaking well. completely out of my ass on this one because I did not do the research on this, but yeah. he really, he didn't really have a lot for me. He just said that he, he barely heard about it, but right there, like, so if you are a, if you are a, a less desirable, um, lendee, right. So if you're a less desirable person that I would want to loan money to, the reason that you are less desirable is because it's all based off of your likelihood that you will pay me back. So if your credit is lower, right, and all of a sudden we're starting to inflate the benefits for that person to get a loan, then we're going to have a bunch of loans that are subpar. If you guys don't remember this word from 2008, subpar means less likely to pay back. And then we're going to have a bunch of subpar loans that we recreate 2008 for a totally different reason. Yeah. Well, I don't think we, I think we're already in 2008 revised. We are in 2008 revised, but right now the biggest issue that we've had is the amount of loans that have been written for properties way over what their realistic value is. Yeah. So you're going to get a lot of loans that start to come back. I think JP Morgan just made an entire division for buying foreclosed properties. Um, so they see it coming, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to see a ton of properties that come back to banks that the bank owes $500,000 on this property because they loaned you way too much money to get a, to get a house because of the way that the real estate market was inflated. And realistically, this property is only going to sell for, let's say 250 or 275 or 300. So they're going to eat, you know, $250,000 with a dick in, in, in this property. Um, but we're still having people that are, you still had to demonstrate the ability to pay back that loan, even though it was way too much. What happened in 2008 is we had two big problems that caused the, the, the crash in 2008. The first big problem was, um, I think Bill Clinton and his administration put forward a plan to try to get banks to write more subpar uh, loans to people that really shouldn't probably have loans or they generally classically wouldn't have loaned to. Mm -hmm. So the amount of subpar loans that you wrote had to, had to meet a quota so that you could then get another FDIC insurance uh, license for another bank. So if you wanted to expand, you had to write a bunch of subpar loans, right? So oh. that was problem A that caused 2008. Problem B that caused 2008 is we had a ton of people because they were allowed to do a, what's called what used to be called a stated income loan. So you could go in and say, I make a million dollars a year. And if you signed a piece of paper that said, I make a million dollars a year, there, you didn't have to prove it. Hmm. So they would go off of that. And then I even went to, I got to the point where I was talking to a mortgage broker when I was going to buy my first house. And he's like, okay, we have 
three different, we have a, a, a loan, it's called a menu loan, or I don't even remember what he called this thing. He's like, there's three different options every month. You can pay your principal and your interest, or you can select B and just pay your interest so you never pay down your principal, or you can select C where you pay a minimum payment and extra interest goes on to the principal of your loan. So you're actually wow. going backwards in your mortgage with paying your payment every month. And, and the weird. idea here was, is if that difference between A and C was, let's say, $1,000, and you put that $1,000 in a stock market that's averaging an 8% return and your interest rate was only 35 or 4%, you were making a 4% gain. But let's face it, how many people were taking that $1,000 a month and actually putting it into any sort of investment? They were just seeing the payment as that much less. So you had all oh. these problems that built up to a real estate market because once that many, it's, it's all supply and demand. And I think supply and demand, it is the simplest form of economics we all understand. When there's a ton of people trying to buy something and there's not a big supply, the value goes up. So then that goes up and the price of the house is because they're writing a bunch of loans. They're not just writing, let's say, an arbitrary number of 10,000 loans a, a month because now they're writing $15,000 for 15,000 loans a month that's 50% more loans. If the, if the properties on the market don't go up by 50%, then everything is over-evaluated. So then it's this snowball that keeps happening. Now, what's, what we see now is we have a ton of people trying to buy homes, and there wasn't a ton on the market. Um, yeah. And that's what caused the, infl the inflation now. Because you had, I mean, what was that? That was two years where people got somewhere between 20 and you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars extra each year. And if you don't think that's gonna inflate any markets, you're crazy. Yeah. You no, know, I mean, I'm seeing the backlash of that in my industry. I sell alcohol. And do you know how much I'm I'm down in a specific category that serves a specific portion of the population that generally is lower income that took a bunch of money from Uncle Sam. So that specific category, I'm down 25% because they don't have the money, the extra money, because human psychology is pretty similar, right? Like, let's say I'm gonna go buy a pair of shoes and I only have $500 in my bank account and I need to live for the next two weeks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy what I need for shoes, right? I'm not gonna go like crazy over the top. But if all of a sudden there's an influx of another $1,000 in my bank account, I'm gonna buy some cool ass shoes. And that's what was going on. Instead of buying, you know, a pint of brandy, people were going in and buying a fifth of expensive cognac, not even a fifth of cheap cognac, a fifth of expensive cognac. And that snowballed to like the liquor industry being up double digit percentages for the two years that everybody was getting all this money. And I'm sure it was the same with a lot of other, you know, I'm sure gambling and a lot of other stuff was up the same amount because that residual income gets spent like that on, on stupid shit. Um, but now, you know, we're seeing the fluctuation and one guy told me this week, he's like, Oh, you're gonna have to call up, uh, you gonna have to call up uncle Joe and try to get some more money. And I said, no, man, I'll take, I'll take that hit. Like I will, I'll, I'll take the hit of that being down. If it means that, if it means that, that people are becoming more responsible over overall. And does it mean that? I don't know, but that's what I'm going to sell to myself to make myself feel better about that drop in income. Yeah, but I mean, Joe's, uh, they got no problem spending money right now. Did you hear the latest, uh, what they want to do? They want to, they propose $20 million, basically headed by Pete Buttigieg, on um, basically creating equity 
This is exactly what it is. This is no joke. Equity within the test crash dummies that they use for uh, vehicle safety tests. What do you mean? So they want to invest $20 million into creating female versions of crash test dummies. No. This isn't a joke. Look it up. (laughs) It's true. Why? It's equity. There's too many uh, male crash test dummies. No, they're eight. Excuse me, they're asexual crash test dummies. <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. This isn't real. You got to be fucking with this me. This is real. I'm not messing with you. I, I just don't believe it. I don't, I mean, so uh, here, Let the, the one thing is, is if, if we are talking about the fact that a male formed crash test dummy does not, uh, does not test safety features as well mm-hmm. as a as a body formed crash test dummy towards a female. Then I guess maybe you're gonna, if you have science behind that, then I, then I can support this. But it's fully based on equity. It's got to be fully based on equity because the thing is, is that means we would need to have fat crash test dummies and skinny crash test dummies and tall crash <laughs> test dummies and short test crash test dummies because the physical the physical stature is more important than the gender in a crash test dummy because you're gonna need to see. If somebody's, you know, way more upper body heavy, does that make this car safer or less safe, right? I know. I mean, technically that would make sense, but that is 100% not the case because but a judge's uh, decisions are all This doesn't say that they got the money. No, that's what he's uh, proposing right now. And the, the House Democrats right now are praising that plan because... Asking Congress for $20 million in his department. So... F- Develop female crash test dummies. That's so hard testing. You know, another one that I saw that's going to be really interesting is they just, and this actually passed, this isn't just being asked for, but, um, oh my God, it's on MSN as dumb idea. That's oh, good. That's positive. If, if MSN says it's a dumb idea, they're, yeah. they're usually would be supporting that, right? Yes. So, um, so in quoted Buttigieg's own words is, to fight gender inequity. I mean, we have to realize that this is him getting paid off by a fucking some stupid company to to do this, right? Like we it's, can do it we can do it for 2 million. We'll give you 5 million. We'll pocket the other, you know, boom, exactly. Yeah. Million. Yeah, I mean, this is uh the same plan as the whole Ukraine funding. Yeah, that that whole Ukraine funding thing is and now they're asking money back. now they're they're asking Mexico for funds and asking all these other countries for funds and it's just like, man, I don't. We're a country of free people, right? And we fought for our independence, and so we have this like emotional connection to some to a country like Ukraine, who's getting, who's who who who's getting, we'll say, invaded by Russia, yeah. which isn't even really a very good word, um, no. but. So we, we all of a sudden, we all instantly went to our American nationalistic roost and we're like, fuck yeah, we'll help Ukraine fight back. Right. Right. That's what we did. And now we're like, wait, hold on. Are we actually helping anybody fight for their independence? Or are we literally just putting a bunch of money into a bunch of people's fucking pockets? And this is the, you know, this is the, the, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a a common charity that everybody knows is, is a, is bullshit. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, that's just what this is. We're just helping one piece of shit fight another piece of shit. Right? So there's nothing good about this guy. I don't know why everybody is boosting him up as a, as a hero. 
I mean, the guy's been a, you know, a walking turd for his life. So the guy's a, a fake actor, and now he's basically pushing all this at the expense of the people. I feel bad for the people, but guess what? That's why these people are leaving Ukraine. So, you know, at this point, you know, I, I would let it be. Let those guys hash it out. Why are we spending billions of dollars over there when we got enough problems over here? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think our a, a good amount of our wheat comes from Ukraine. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's unreplaceable. You know, I would have to, I don't know the under, I don't understand the agricultural industry enough to know what, how, how irreplaceable that, you know, millions of tons of wheat that come out of Ukraine is, right? It's a big breadbasket, basically. If you look at yeah. what Ukraine creates, is it's, it's all big farms. Um, I did see that a Russian plane accidentally dropped three rush, three bombs on a Russian city this week, just flying over and accidentally fucking hit the button, <laughs> released three bombs. I don't know how big of a city <laughs> really? it was, but it, it didn't sound awesome. Didn't sound uh, like anything I would want to be part of. I don't know, man. Sound like a bunch of hajis. Sorry. It's just a. It, so what I was gonna say though, sorry, is uh, <laughs> a law that did pass or or a bill that did pass through was the investment regulations. So your four hundred one k, your IRA, um, the people that run those funds were up until January of this year always. Oh, what's the right word? They were expected to, they were legally obligated. They were legally obligated to invest your money in whatever they could morally feel was going to give the best, safest returns, right? And and the amount of risk that they were willing to take was dependent on the type of um, fund that it was. But the whole idea was to stay within a risk tolerance and make the most money. As of January 2023, there is a new law that will allow the people that manage retirement funds to invest in, I believe it was ESG funds. Oh, what the hell does ESG stand for? Yes, it was like equity, sex. Oh, equity. Oh, okay, I'm mixing that up. I mean, I got like ETF fund. Well, yeah, no, ETF is totally different. ESG. Um, yes, and equity, sustainability, and global markets. No, that sounds... Bit hairy. So the the joke is, um, oh, environmental. That's what it is. Environmental, social, and governance Ooh. is what it is. Um, so the, the the joke is is expect slower gains because they are now allowed to invest in socially beneficial funds that aren't necessarily the most intelligent investment for your money. So your Quarter of a million, half a million, million dollars, whatever you have in your retirement can now be can now be invested in just socially beneficial um, companies, socially beneficial investments that are going to improve the world, improve the environment or improve governance, not necessarily create the most uh, return on your money. Confused why they want to do that. I'm trying to see how profitable this model could really. It's not about profit. 
So you're just throwing your money in. It's about a percentage of your money being able to legally be invested. So, um, you know, they were probably being pressed to start investing in these type of investments. And they said, we cannot, inv- we cannot invest money into these type of investments because we're legally obligated to make the most money that we can right. for our investors. So then this law got passed to say, no, here is a, here's a pass. As long as you can say that that investment was towards environmental, social, or governance principles, then you do not have to legally invest in what could be the best, most beneficial investment for your, for your, 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 your you client. Know, funder, client. Yep. So what's, what's the benefit to the investor? Investor being you? Yeah. Zero. It's not about you. It's about what, it's about money runs everything. And this is about what they can do with your money that you can't touch. Yeah, but you, I would have to request. Or am I leaving up to like, quote, an Edward Jones to be like, no, oh, this, well, is, we this is, a, in this is an independent fund. So we're, what funds do you have your retirement in? So my entirement is Oh, in, so this is a complete this is a, different. This is fund managers. Oh, so this is my. I would so, have to choose. No, 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 no. So like, let's say I have a portion of mine in a, in a, in a a fidelity growth fund, right? And it's all based on, it's all based on a certain amount of risk that there's, and it's, it's my, you know, $250,000 right. that's sitting in that fund. There's a, there's a fund manager, a big group of fund managers that decide what to do with my money inside that fund. Right. Those fund managers can now invest in ESG type investments with my money that they do not have to worry about getting the most gains for my money. Oh. If that's included in that fund, they would have to disclose no, that, you, that, right? It's not in, no. No, you don't know what's included in your fund. The only funds that the only funds that are that you know what is included in your funds are index funds. So like I have a majority yeah. and that, that's where I was going okay. with this is if you do, you you should have a majority and I'm I, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not a fiduciary. Do your research. Talk to somebody who you trust. But in my opinion and in the opinion of a lot of people who, who, who are way smarter than me, your money should be in a simple. Index fund and what an index fund is, is instead of somebody purposefully managing where your money goes, your money is directly split up between, let's say, the Vanguard uh, S&P 500 index fund. It directly tracks all of the companies that are in the S&P. Or a NASDAQ uh, index fund would directly track all the companies that are on the NASDAQ NASDAQ exchange. And so index funds are not managed, but they also have one one tenth to a hundredth of the fees. So like a, a, a professionally managed fund, like let's say a Fidelity growth fund. A fidelity growth fund could have a, I mean, it could have an expense ratio of like 1.1 to 1.5%. So if you, if you gain, you know, 5% in a year, which is not a great year for a growth fund, but there's also years you're going to be down 4%. Right. 1.5% of that on top is going to the fund managers. Whereas like a van, a Vanguard index fund, like a Vanguard uh, 500 index fund, which, which just traces the S and P 500. That would be 0.1% to 0.15%. So it's one-tenth of what you're investing. Yeah, which is smart. So you're talking this ESG is a completely independent fund on its own. No, this is not. This would be just ways to rate investments inside the fund. So if I was was trying to get money from an investment fund, 
and I was literally just trying to, let's say, clean up parks, right? I mean, I'm looking out here, there's a park outside the window, and I'm just trying to clean up parks. They're, they're originally, you know, before this passed through, I would go pitch to this, in, pitch to this fund, and, you know, this fund, let's say it's a $20 billion fund, and I would say, I want $5 million to clean up the big, you know, top 100 biggest parks in the United States. And they would say, well, where's the return on that? And I would say, well, you know, the return isn't necessarily financial. The return is going to be on the, on the, on the earth. It's going to be on the people that can use the parks better. It's going to be the beautification of the parks. And they would oh. say, yeah, this is not a, this is not a good, good investment. I'm legally obligated to invest in good investments for my clients. They can now say, that makes sense. That seems like that is social and environmental. I can invest this in you and let's see if I can get a, any sort of return on my $5 million in investment. Uh, so it's great for all those uh, Prius drivers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the one that I really don't like is governance. <laughs> you know where that's going. Yeah, I do know where that's going. That's why I don't like it. Oh, but that's, that's the way of the uh, new generation here. And and the thing is, is I don't necessarily think, I don't necessarily think it's a bad move, but what I do think is it's not a move that I want people taking without my input. If I want to, if I want to put some of my money towards cleaning up parks, I want to make that personal choice to put my money towards cleaning up right. parks. If I want to put some of my money towards, you know, equality in in, in small business, right? Then I want to, I want to make that choice in putting my money in the equality of small business, not you get to do it because my money is there in my retirement. Because once that money is in my retirement account, I don't get to touch it. Yeah. But this basically just gives them a green light, to do what the hell they want to do with their money. Basically. Oh, <laughs> uh, good thing I got a lot more index. So. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that's if you guys are if you guys have a retirement if you have a a four hundred one k a Roth four hundred one k or an IRA, um, look into and ask, excuse me, an an advisor that you have about index funds because from what I gather and from the information that I've read is there are no independent funds other than BlackRock that have been able to outperform the index, the, the, just the direct market index over a 10 year span, because you'll have one or two funds every year that outperform the index. But if, if you, you can't see ahead what fund that's going to be. And so you would only be able to look back and say, this fund did really good last year. I'm going to move my, my money to that fund for this next year. And you know, Rock stars leave funds, people get yeah. less invested because they made $20 billion last year and they're not really that interested in being as good the next year. It's just human error happens. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of ESG, I looked up, uh, okay, where, where does this stand in China? So China's already implemented it with, uh, you know, exposure to China managing $400 billion in assets in uh, ESG research. By the end of November 2022, which quadrupled the 2015 levels. Um, so China's implemented guidance for enterprise disclosure standards on environmental, social, and governance initiatives aims to establish a framework 
more conducive to assessing risk and performance, yada, 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 yada. So 89% of the top 100 Chinese firms issued ESG reports last year, up 78% from 2020. So just curious. Yeah, curious where that's coming from. Yeah. Wonder how they manage that over there. Wonder how the investors are doing. And, and, and I don't, it's a weird thing, man. It's a weird thing to say because it's not like I don't want money going towards that. It really isn't. Um, the governance part, yeah, maybe. I do not want money going towards that. Yeah. Um, but the environmental and the social, like, I invest hours every week into the social when we do this podcast. We invest a lot of our time and a lot of our energy into this. I invest a fuckload, right? If you took like our hourly rate or what I would charge somebody if they said do this podcast every week, be a fucking lot of money. Yeah. We're already investing. Maybe we can get some ESG funds. <laughs> hey, uh, see, if you can't beat them, join them. I think they're more concerned about the plastic straws going up turtles' assholes. I did see yesterday that turtles eat jellyfish. Yeah. And plastic bags look a lot like jellyfish. I know, but how, what percent of the plastics in the ocean are coming from the U.S.? Uh, probably not very much. Less than definitely not percent. coming from Wisconsin. Right. So most of it's coming from those, the Asian and China or Asian and, uh, um, European countries. Yeah. How many, and that's, and that's, a, that's a good point. Russia. Like how, how many of those third ish, second and third world countries are literally just dumping barges of trash? Yeah. I mean, can you really call China a third world country? You you can't, but a lot of it is, though. That's the weird thing. Like, if you leave the, the main epicenters, it is, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty down, dirty, poor, but that's dictated by the government. 100%. So, it's, uh, I don't know, why, why don't these climate uh, professionals go over there and straighten the problem out? Because that's where a bulk of your problem is. It's not profitable. First of, well, first of all, they would never let them in. That's the difference between the United States is we're, we we let everybody in. We're like, yeah, you're from China. You grew up being being raised by the Chinese government and you have no fingerprints. Come work in one of our labs. You're smart. <laughs> like literally my yeah. sister-in-law works in a lab and they joke about one of the guys that work for them because he has no fingerprints. Ooh. And he's Chinese. And he's here from China. And goes back to China regularly. And they're like, ho, ho, you're a spy. You have no fingerprints. He's like, yeah, it's so funny. Oh, boy. And we allow that. Do you think fucking China would ever allow that? No. Well, Absolutely I mean, not. <laughs> what's our, our illegal uh, alien population is massive in this well, country. So not just Chinese. The thing with our illegal alien po population is the amount of people that come to the United States is part of the only reason that the United States population is, has, has kept growing. Yeah. Because it is super consistent across the board once income levels raise and education systems raise the amount of reproductive action that happens the amount of people that have kids drops and there there hits a population level where population just stays steady it does it just yeah. doesn't grow anymore but the reason that the and the problem is with no population growth is it's completely okay like that's great except for with no population growth things like social security completely collapse yeah. Because Social Security has lived on the fact that more people were paying in than were taking out. And so the minute that there's more people taking out than are paying in, there's not a giant fund of money 
like a big pool where they're like, we took all of this money from Social Security and we invested it. And now it's gotten to this point so that we can pay out. No, that's not how Social Security works. That shit's been robbed for fucking years. Yeah. So yeah. with no population growth, we would have a problem with Social Security way longer ago than what we're seeing now. But we've had population growth. And you know what illegal aliens don't do? File taxes to get tax returns. Well, they true. pay taxes. They do get a paycheck. They pay the taxes. Yeah, they, so. pay, they get a paycheck and they pay taxes, but they don't file taxes and get a tax return and get the amount of money back. So the government's like, wait, we get to keep more of their income? Bring them on in. Yep. yep. But then you let the cartels kind of do their business down there. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a whole other story. That's a problem. Should we get into the actual meat of the podcast since we're at 38 minutes? And Yeah. We're going to have to kind of skip through some of this. this is, we, we did a, we've done an episode probably about 50, 60 episodes ago. We did an episode on human relationships. And we, we hit a lot of this information then. This, this is a little bit more detailed, so it's going to be kind of a, a, a refresher along with some extra detail uh, as far as like science that we, can, that we can quote. But we evolved to basically need human interaction. We evolved in, here's my, here, here's my, should we put a little ding? We evolved in tribes. Ding. Oh my goodness. Paul got tribes worked into a podcast. Wow. Um, we evolved in small tribes where we counted on other people to hunt. We counted on other people to help us survive, to gather food, to like, there's a reason why there's different um, like sleep structures, why some people their body completely changes the pH where they would be going to sleep much later than some other people. And the reason that we had this is in a tribe of 140 people, you would have a certain amount of people that were, that were nightly sentinels, right? And those people, like their jobs were to make sure that while everybody else is sleeping in the tribe, they were, they were safe. And so they're just naturally more awake later at night. And they would do their, you know, they would do their work and they would be out doing the gathering and they would be keeping everybody safe while everybody else is sleeping. And I heard a great, I heard a great thing in, uh, in Peter Atia's book outlive this week. And, and Peter, Peter, this is, it's pretty amazing. If, if you guys get a chance to read that book, he, Peter Atia, who is one of the smartest people that I've ever heard speak, went through some shit. Like he was one of the most self-critical over the top angry people that I never would have known hearing him talk on podcasts and hearing and oh, hearing really? yeah over the, I mean he like he had a massive temper would fly into rages yeah. and he he thought all the way growing up right he's a, he's an MD and they would put in 100 to 120 hours a week uh during the residency and he even voted against reducing the hours that residents had to put in because all of these old doctors thought it would make residents soft Whereas at the same time, he passed out in a curtain, somebody he was supposed to be doing a laparoscopic surgery to, right? So like no. he couldn't even see, but so he thought sleep was, was ridiculous. Why would we need sleep? And, and somebody brought up the question to him. He goes, he goes, Peter, don't you think that if sleep wasn't the most imperative thing that evolution would have cut it out hundreds of generations ago? And that is what like flicked the light for him. Like, oh shit. You're fucking right because there's nothing outly beneficial about sleep, outwardly beneficial about sleep. You are completely at more risk for death. You are so much more unsafe. So we had all of these different jobs 
in our in our evolution. And these people, we needed the human contact between these people. We needed everyone to trust everyone. We needed human relationships. And the fact that we've evolved for hundreds of thousands of years to have these beneficial human relationships to now where we have kind of relationships, but they're really different than what they ever look like in the past. Like, I bet other than my wife and kids, I bet I see you the most of anybody in the week. Like, actually in person. Well, really? Probably. Dang. Because really, think about it. Other than your wife and kids, who do you see regularly every week for an hour or two a week? So for you, other than your kids. Yeah, other than my kids and uh, other than the gym. But you don't see the same people every week, you know? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, I see the same people at the gym every... Yeah, that's true. Almost like every day. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so we evolved to have these human relationships, and now we don't necessarily have the type of human relationships that are beneficial for us. We don't have tribes, you're saying? We don't really have tribes. Now, later down in my notes, we'll talk about technology, and technology is, is amazing, but it's also detrimental. Because it's given us the ability, we might as well talk about it now. The Facebook groups are tribes, is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, is like, you are a very specific individual. You have things that you're interested in, right? And to find someone else that has a lot in common with you in a five mile radius to where you are at right now, or in your regular stops that you are at in the day, is not easy. You, you no. can do it, but it's not easy. Whereas, especially people that don't have something where they go do, right? Like you have the gym where you go do it or you, you don't have work, but people have work where they go there. But for people that let's say work from home and don't have a gym, like what are, where are they finding the tribal people that are, that are into the same thing as them? And that's where the internet has, and, and technology has kind of given this beneficial, instead of searching through a pond, you know, a five mile pond of 500 people. You're searching through a 8 billion people. That's not how many people are on social media, but whatever, you know, 100 million people. Yeah. And you are able to find a much tighter tribe. You're able to stay in contact because of technology with people that you do have stuff in common with. You're able to send send memes and send funny texts and and shoot over a message like, hey, I was just thinking about, you know, it was your mom's birthday the other day. Tell her happy birthday. Whatever. Stupid shit. Right. Whereas like prior to technology and if we want to get really raw. You know, even the original phone where you would call somebody and talk to them, that was still technology. Yeah. You know, so where technology does have a lot of detriments, it does have some benefits as far as human relationships. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that have their, what, chat groups. You know, it's like, I think, what, Facebook Messenger? I probably should have done this when my kids were younger. Is I don't know. Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's not cool. It's where families have like a chat room. Or it's just like going all day long. I, it's just something I, I can't do because as a professional, it's hard to sit there and have, you know, it's hard for me to understand people that have like a constant chat group going all day long, all night long, 24-7. <sighs> I think that I see where that could be cool. But I also see, I also see where I would get annoyed as shit with it, right? That's what it seems like, yeah. So I think that it's going to depend on the people that are in it. 
and you're going to have a few people who are constantly chatting. But if, for me, it would have to be on a, it would have to be on a separate application that I don't necessarily get a bunch of notifications for. You know what I mean? Or like, separate phone. Or a separate, well, yeah, or yeah. a separate phone or whatever, where I'm not, it's not coming up on my normal device because that notification, 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 like where, when you're on a group text and it's like, what the fuck is all this? I just got 74 notifications and none of this is relevant to me, right? That's where I would get annoyed with it and then I would start to ignore it. Whereas let's say it was on Facebook Messenger where I don't actually get notifications on my phone and then I could be like, oh, oh, looks like everybody was talking today. Right. And they look back. Oh, nothing that relates to me. But also like. Is that the Snapchat uh, theory? I don't know. I don't use Snapchat. So I like Snapchat just for the ease of like messaging, send a picture, shoot a picture. You can put a word on a picture. Right. Like I can put a word on a picture and send it via text, but it's fucking stupid. It's going to take me 10 times as long. Right. So that's that's really where I see the benefit of Snapchat. And. You can do family groups, but we we tried one with my family on with with my family on Snapchat, and it just never took off. Like it's still group text is the way to go, but we don't like chat, right? It's literally like, what I time are you guys gonna go to dinner tonight, right? Oh. It's like it's it's knowledgeable information. It's stuff, that, and maybe that's where. What do maybe, you Snapchat for then? What? What do you Snapchat for then? Just chatting, chatting with friends, chatting, right? Like so, I can. The biggest thing is like if I see you know if I see <laughs> if I see a funny bumper sticker, right? I can pull Snapchat out, take a picture of it. I can send it to the 10 people that I know will think it's funny, and I'm done. I've done that in 30 seconds. I can put my phone down. Whereas if I needed to take that picture, and then I needed to go through and send it to 10 different people via text, it just wouldn't happen. I wouldn't do it. So that's where Snapchat comes in. Is no. like, it, it's just like sharing funny stuff, shooting out a text like, hey, you know, does anybody have a, you know, does anybody have a, a 10 millimeter 12-point socket? You throw it out to 20 people. And it's a tighter group than the amount of people that are in your phone. Yeah. So it's only, you know, it's only maybe 15 people that you actually Snapchat with regularly. And those mm. are the closer people. Whereas like if I had to go through my phone and select, all right, I'm going to send it to Bill and I'm going to send it to Todd and I'm going to send it to Martin. Like it just wouldn't, it's, it's easier to do on Snapchat. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just so, curious. That and that that's the draw for me and, and my and, and, and the people that I talk to on Snapchat is it's really like I have texts text message groups. Yeah. Or not groups. I'm sorry. I have text message strings with people that I also Snapchat with. And it's completely different content. And that's what I was gonna say is I think as far as technology goes, that's the benefit for having stuff split up is it kind of naturally right, like if you had a if you took the if you took a a, a hill and you poured of hundred gallons of water down this hill, it's going to kind of like flow into just a few low spots and then it's going to roll down the hill, right? It's not just going to go like a big wave down the hill. And that's kind of where like information kind of falls into its type of, um, uh, of application on your phone, like funny, quick stuff, stuff that you just want to send out to a group of people that all kind of goes to Snapchat. Whereas like stuff that you are going to need, um, you want to be able to reference yeah. or like, Hey, does anybody need uh, help doing this next week? Whatever. Like that would be more text because it's like that type of information is something you're going to go back and look at. Hmm. You know, if you're going to send out uh, if you're going to send out a long form email and you want people to read your, you know, your most recent blog post, that's going to be an email. And it's just, everything kind of has its own type of communication that happens on it. Chat. But 
Okay, we're yeah, we're down to like fucking ten minutes, so we'll we'll Sorry, get man. no no no. You're good. I'm 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 glad that we glad we talked about that. Um, why do we need human ac- interaction? Well, there's been a lot of studies that have been done on human interaction over the years, and one study in 1997 found that s- that social support can improve our immune system's ability to fight off viruses. Is that crazy? Oh yeah, no, I believe it. Right, it's just it elevates everything. It makes you more happy. It 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 improves the way that your body functions. It reduces your even if you think about if you think about holding your muscles tight, right? And if I'm just sitting here and I'm really tense, like I am not allowing as much blood to flow through my body, which means more nutrients, more immunity, more everything. Whereas if I just relax and I just let the blood, you know, let the blood flow through all my muscles better. It's getting more nutrients. It's getting more recovery. It's getting more right everything, and it's the same with the immune system. Um, a meta a meta analysis, which which some when somebody does a meta analysis, they look back at a lot of studies and then they analyze all of that as one big group of data. As long as it the studies meet different criteria that they set, um, that found that. The increased risk of loneliness is comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Really? Yes. The increase in death risk. Jeez. So that's almost a pack a day smoker just from being lonely. Wow. What's considered lonely? You just don't have a, a tribe? Um, I mean, I think everyone else, it would probably go off of my guess is these studies went off of a personal um, questionnaire of what, whether you consider yourself probably a bunch of different questions that added up to a score of whether you met the criteria for being considered lonely. No, that would be my guess is how they would do these stuff. That study. Um, one study found that social connections are important for our mental health. I think we all get that, uh, reduces depression, anxiety. Another study found that the social interaction helped to improve our cognitive function in older adults. Uh, participants who reported higher levels of social activity at a slower rate of cognitive decline. Um, that one makes sense because the more you're doing, the less you're losing, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it makes sense with muscles. If you're not using them, you lose them with brain capacity. If you're not using it, you lose it. And they're not necessarily solving problems every day, the way that we do. So the social interaction, I think is a lot of the mental capacity that they use during the day as you get to be an older adult and that's okay. Yeah. Um, we covered in the last podcast, a lot of the types of relationships, but basically there's romantic, uh, familial and platonic relationships, romantic. I think we all understand, um, uh, romantic is so important that the quality of romantic relationship is associated with better mental health outcomes. A study found that individuals in high quality relationships reported fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety compared to those in low quality relationships. I think that that's completely understandable. Um, familial relationships such as uh, child parent relationships, grandparents, siblings, um, a study conducted in 2012 found that the quality of a parent-child relationship has long-lasting effects on mental health and well-being. Uh, individuals who reported having a secure attachment relationship to their parents in childhood had better mental health co- health outcomes years later in adulthood. Ooh, I must be screwed up then. Why? <laughs> My dad was not uh, there. I bounced uh, home. Oh, yeah, home I think and- we've totally... You, you have... 110 hours on the internet. I'm sure everybody knows how screwed up both of us are. <laughs> um, 
platonic relationships would be like friendships, work relationships, stuff like that. Those are those are extremely important. Those relationships are even um, I'm not going to say harder, but they're more selective because you don't have to be friends with people. Whereas like you have to see your kids every day, you know, while they're in your house, you have your parents are your parents, whether you like them or not. Whereas yeah. like actual friendships and, and work friendships, those are completely selective. Really? I think some of your family stuff can uh, people can be selective about gets pretty damn toxic. Oh, 100%. But you don't just get to say that they're not your sister anymore. Right. You know, you can just you can just not. Well, I guess you could just not talk to her, but you're going to see her probably at family functions. Right. Um, we also covered a lot on the last podcast about how to build and maintain relationships, but there is a lot that has to do with actually um sharing experiences with friends right like guys we talked about it in the in the aaron shelley podcast but um women build friendships way different than guys guys build friendships women you know sit around and enjoy each other they relax they chat you know they they talk about what's going on in their lives guys would way more rather do things with their friends right like fucking go do paintball go hunting you know camping rock climbing whatever right like we like to do things we like to share experiences and some of the best is when you're like in the shittiest you know most down and dirty cold shivering want to fucking die but you got to walk out of the middle of nowhere type type experiences and you're like oh that sucked but man that really built our fucking that cemented our friendship because i know that you know you next to me talking to me while we were while we both wanted to just fucking pass out really helped and I think that yeah. that's where I think that's where CrossFit, you know, and, and, and group fitness classes and stuff. The CrossFit have. tribe. CrossFit is definitely a fucking tribe or the lack of a better word, a cult. cult. But the funny thing about CrossFit, and I digress after stating this, but I've told people a bunch of times is, is you can watch two different types of people going to CrossFit. And, and one type is mostly women and they love the camaraderie and they keep coming back and back and back. And that's their thing. Right. And then the other the other tribe in crossfit is mostly dudes and they go in and what it does is it helps them build the workout habit but then they see that depleting their body that much over and over and over unless they're eating 10,000 calories a day they can't build any muscle and then you see them after about six months they make their way out into the regular gym and they're like oh i think i want to build some muscle now yeah right like it's totally different i think yeah i mean i think there's a good tribal mentality that's great but then if you take it way too far it becomes a cult I think that's where CrossFit has kind of uh, fallen by the wayside is that, you know, when you create something like CrossFit and then people are in there and it's like, it's, it's either CrossFit or it's nothing, then all of a sudden that's a cult. And the funny thing is, is who do, who do, who do CrossFitters look up to? The, the, comp, the competitors at the games, right? Right, yeah. The competitors at the games don't do CrossFit every day. No, they don't They at train all. like professional athletes. Yep. Yep. The performance is... The CrossFit wads. Yes. But they are very, they do a lot of isolation training, a lot of compounds, a lot of buildup to that competition, which a lot of people don't understand. That's why it's funny because, you know, you look and they're massive. I mean, you've been to CrossFit games and even the, the ladies are like jacked beyond belief, but it's not because they're doing these wads every day. And the people I see doing the wads every single day, they, they never build anything. They don't have these physiques like the you can't you know, people they look can't. up to. Yeah, your body can't. Your body is not built to do that every day. You you can get strong enough to where you can do it every day, but you're not going to look super strong. Yeah, which is just 
it's it's insane. I, I wonder why they just don't preach that into, you know, the CrossFit uh infrastructure and you know the people that join up. Well, there's a weird thing that happens with any sort of organization is is it it it, it builds, and then it falls. Like nothing nothing builds to a certain level and then maintains that standard forever. Because right? they get away from their basic mission. Yeah, it becomes commercialized, and you know it's all about the numbers getting people in. Yep. So anyway, while we're sitting here and listening to your Snapchat, you know, comments, I signed up for Snapchat and all of a sudden I just got messages coming and saying, so it must like give people notification that I so joined Snapchat. So when you signed in, it gives you the option. Do you want us to tell your friends? Did you hit see yes? No, I, um, I like, it got me to add friends Yeah, and I didn't do anything yet. Oh, it says add five friends. So I don't know if I signed up and maybe people that have my number and her contacts all of a sudden. Oh, says, yeah, yeah, for oh. sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Like if I hit plus, maybe it might even show me here on your quick ad. Um, yep, Martin. Just join Snappy Chat. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll give it a test run just because we talked about it. Okay. Let me see if it's, you know, a bunch of bullshit or not and then report back to you listeners that, if it's really worth it. Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, we're, I think we pretty much covered shared experience, practice forgiveness. No relationship is perfect, right? Every relationship is going to, yeah. every relationship is going to take work. You're going to have good, tar- good times and bad times. You're going to agree with people. You're going to disagree with people. The thing with a relationship is you agree to disagree. Sometimes you forgive people, you allow them to be their own, you know, goofy selves. And that's just part of, part of relationship. You got to be real selective. I know we've talked about that, you know, last few podcasts about uh, surrounding yourself with people, right? You're the average of the people you're closest to. That's right. So, you know, you have to be selective. Somebody told me that even, I think, last Friday. I think I was venting about something and uh, as to one of the people that I confide with in a lot of the nonprofits that I work with and... uh, yeah, they said, hey, read this book, which I forgot what the book that, you know, they suggested was. But basically, it's it, be real selective, you know, people that bring value into your life or people that help push you to that, you know, that level up, that next level. Yeah, and it's and it's tough to find people like that, man. It like It's easy like, to find people to create an echo chamber yeah. where you just can sit in and, you know, yeah. feel good all day. But yeah. who's going to push you? Yeah, and and I, we, so whatever we'll fucking we'll get through the rest of this, or we'll just add this to the next podcast. I got I got a great story, um, <laughs> and this comes into the importance of dads, which we've talked about over and over and over and over. Um, so we had a fun run at my kid's school. Um, you know what that is, right? It's where like, so. all, like all the grandparents have to like all the grandparents have to like you know dedicate a dollar a lap or two dollars a lap or fifty cents a lap or whatever, and it goes to raise funds for the school. And uh, and so me and my wife were lap counters, and when you're a lap counter, you have a sharpie, and then you mark off the numbers on their shirts because there's numbers that go all the way around their shirts. And um, I was the only dad that was sitting there as a lap counter. It was all moms, and I'm going and it. The boys generally would want to come towards me, right? And they're and, and even some of the girls, you could see the ones that were competitive, right? And they were like, another what lap am I on? What lap am I on? And I'm and I'm I'm instigating these kids, right? I'm like, come on, you can do another one. Come on. And one of the boys 
mom's is also a lap counter and he keeps coming to me to mark it off and i'm pushing him and he's getting red faced right these kids are 10 yeah he's getting red faced and he's winded i'm like you got another one and i kept seeing his mom like trying to pull him like do you need to rest do you need to rest she's like trying to get him to rest i'm like these fucking kids 10 years old he can he can run as many laps as he can run he's not gonna die oh yeah they're gonna pass out and i'm pushing like he got all of his 40 laps and then i started marking just on his shoulders because there was no more numbers to mark and i'm pushing this kid and finally i'm like he hasn't come around in a minute i look his mom got him to sit down oh really (laughs) and it was like it's like that's the difference between the the fatherly relationship and the motherly relationship is like I'm pushing these kids, right? We got done and there was three little boys that were doing a plank. And I was like, I got down to do a plank with them. I'm like, how long are we going? And the one kid's like 30. I'm like, 30 minutes? And he's like, no, 30 seconds. I'm like, we can do two minutes. And then they, you know, we kept pushing it on. And it's just, it's that, that, that instigation that, but that, that fatherly, like, like motivation and instigation. I made sure every one of those kids that put their heart into that run saw me and made sure that I told them how good they did. Right. There's some of the kids got 25 and the one kid got 48 and they all did really good because they were trying. Right. Yeah. And it's that kind of like empathic, but motivational relationship that we need more of in people's lives. And, and we need more of that in our lives. Right. Like my buddy came down to work out with me yesterday morning and I, I, worked out at a totally different level than I do when it's just me because it was like somebody else that was working out there with me. Well, yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, a lot of people need that. It's just different, right? It's just, it's, it's just. And there's some people that, you know, go into the gym and they, that's where they take everything out and they torment themselves. And I mean, I have, I think we all have days like that, right? Like yeah. there's days, there's days I've, I've, I'm not going to lie. I have fucking cried during cardio before because I was pushing so hard that I was having this cathartic release and there was like tears running down my face. And I'm just like, I wasn't going to die. I knew I wasn't going to die, but man, I was pushing with every fucking thing I had. Yeah. But not every, not every day is like that. Not every day is like that. I mean, you know, for me personally, I mean, I, I bring a lot of my demons to the gym and that's where I hash it out. Yeah. So a lot of people see me lift by myself, but that's how I do it. Yeah. So and I generally, I generally like to lift by myself, but I like to lift by myself. And then, and then it's nice to have somebody else there to push once in a while, you yeah. know, cause we do, we give, we, we no matter how, no matter how personally responsible and personally motivational you are, you give up earlier than you should on your lifts. Yeah. Most of the time, maybe not always, I can't even say most not of always, time. but you definitely, there's times where you're like, yeah, I could have done three more. I should have done three more. Yeah, if I have a I spot, put, if I have a spotter. Yeah, I should have put ten more pounds on. Yeah, you know, but you can't tear your. Well, you know, you're an old man. I'm almost as old. <laughs> I'm almost as old as you. You can't tear yourself up every day like that. No, no, I've learned that. So I really limit my my heavy stuff. But and and we but we need friend. You know, we need friendships and personal relationships that push us like that in all aspects of our life. Right. You know. Yeah, and for me, it's you know, spiritual side is where I really you know look to have that that push and uh, I got a kick in the ass the other night like I said from uh, this person that said you got to be really selective and read this book so I was like all right yeah that's a challenge yeah well good yeah I don't know we'll get through the rest of this either in the next podcast or we'll come back to it or whatever we're already at an hour four and we talked a lot of shit today yeah I think it's a big one I mean you talk about Peterson and there's a lot of you know talk speeches out there Ted Ted talks uh Rogan that I mean it takes hours yeah human 
human condition, human need. Yep. All right, that's a wrap. Hey.